0: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On
2: this episode of Conspiracy Unlimited, who or what is behind the modern-day alien abduction phenomenon? A race of technologically advanced extraterrestrials or fallen angels as described in the Bible? My guest believes the answer to these questions are to be found in Holy Scripture.
1: This phenomenon suddenly brings to life the story of the demigods being the the children of the fallen angels, or being the children of the sons of God, as the Bible calls them, and giving you know birth to this great antediluvian empire that is destroyed um, with Atlantis as its capital, and then they continue after the flood all the way till the time of King David, when really it was it's only at that time that most of them are done away with, as Israel is appointed by God to be His sword in the destruction of these hybrid offsprings.
2: This podcast is brought to you by Logo Creator 7 Software. These days, it's more important than ever to have a good image, especially if you have a small business or you sell stuff online or post on social media. But quality graphics can cost money, and advanced software like Photoshop takes time to learn. That's why I want to tell you about some amazing piece of software called Creator 7. Creator 7 is so easy to use, yet it lets you create super-looking logos, business cards, character mascots, you name it, in just minutes. Whatever you create is really going to look super cool and very impressive. Creator 7 comes with hundreds of ready-made templates. Just click and drag to make changes, and instantly you have really impressive graphics right on your computer. Some clever folks even have ordered the Creator 7 software to start their own logo-making business, creating and selling logos and graphics for a profit. That's how good it is. But you won't believe the price. Creator 7 creates beautiful logos and designs right on your computer and works on either PC or Mac. And right now, it's available at an amazing price. To see it in action, just visit radioshowlogo.com. That's radioshowlogo.com. radioshowlogo.com.
0: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres, Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs here's richard serrat
2: Well, I've been sorting through our our Christmas cards here at the house. Fewer and fewer every year. Uh, more people sending e-cards by email, some people post videos on YouTube, and those are all great I guess, but I'm 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 a bit of a throwback. I I always feel it's nice to get cards through the mail. Uh, And of course, occasionally, something happens, you say the wrong thing or hold the wrong opinion, and before you know it, you're taken off somebody's Christmas card list. Has that ever happened to you? Uh, I'll give you an example. What I'm about to tell you does not go over well with many in the ufology community or with many UFO ET experiencers. Uh, But as a Christian, I always put everything through my faith filter, and I try to figure out How do certain things, like UFOs, ETs, the ancient alien theory, and, yes, the alien abduction phenomenon, how do they square with the Bible? And as a a Bible-believing Christian, I believe we humans are unique within God's creation. I don't believe in extraterrestrials. But I do believe in UFOs. I do believe people are seeing some sort of space vehicle. I even believe certain people are abducted. But the question is... Who or what is piloting these spacecrafts, and who or what is behind the alien abduction phenomenon? I believe, as does my guest, the answer to these questions are to be found in the Bible. Ali Siadatan is the founder of Think Again Productions in Canada, a multimedia teaching ministry shedding light on mysteries and treasures of scriptural knowledge, which is making the Bible more real than ever. Ali has found evidence that keeps agreeing with the Bible's tale, from biblical cities peering through the sand to alien abductions and prophetic events. In 2006, Think Again Productions released the groundbreaking documentary UFOs, Angels, and Gods, on Google Video, where it received 270,000 views in just nine months. His latest project, yet to be released, is a video series called Goliath Rising, Hybrids, Nephilim, and Titans. Alicia Aditan, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you, my friend?
1: Fine. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for having me.
2: It's been a decade since you released your documentary film, UFOs, Angels, and Gods. What's been going on in the field of ufology within the biblical context in, in this uh, during this passage of time?
1: Well, it's amazing When we were researching this, it was in the 90s, it was earlier days, and there were people even researching it before that. But in the past 10 years, there really has been an explosion of research. It's as though a veil is being removed. It's like an unveiling of information that has been present in the Bible and in the reality outside our windows, but hidden from our consciousness. And for some reason, in the time that we live in, it's though someone's removing the veil, and the number of people who are encouraged, inspired, Intrigued to look into it is increasing all the time. Uh, just you know, coming back and being on shows and talking about it, I'm shocked at the number of um, venues that are available for this conversation to be had. Or you know, in I think it was in 1996 that I Googled uh, Nephilim for the first time. The word Nephilim, which is a biblical term. Um, and that relates to all of this topic. Um, it was Yahoo. It was before Google. I mean, Yahoo was a search engine. And it simply said zero uh, search results found. And today, you know, if you Google it, you'll see the number of search results is very, very high. In fact, I can do it right now as we're speaking and give you the exact number. So I, there's been an explosion uh, of research of interest, and that's really encouraged me uh, I, it wasn't some kooky, strange thing that was just my own particular curiosity. This really was the beginning of an awakening into a very important topic.
2: The The idea that ancient astronauts, and the ancient astronaut theory is essentially a deception, that ancient civilizations uh, weren't uh, given technology by a race of extraterrestrials, but they, but in fact... Uh, these extraterrestrials, were fallen angels. They were uh, the Nephilim.
1: Uh, yeah.
2: E- e- that's that's sort of the general premise. Just expand on that a little bit, if you could.
1: Uh, sure. When you look back into the birth of civilization, it is pretty enigmatic, and even archaeologists, secular archaeologists who are honest will tell you that they don't have an explanation for the birth of civilization. All kinds of bodies of knowledge that are very advanced appear very suddenly, um, in the cradle of civilization, as it's called, Iraq, the south of Iraq, and then even before that, for instance, off the coast of Taiwan, China, there's these giant pyramids that are under the water in the ocean, and they are, you know, ten thousand plus years old um, BC, like so, you know, twelve thousand from us, and people really don't have explanations for these things and um uh, some a group of people uh, looked into um darwin's theories and, and speculated that hey you know all of these ancient texts talk about flying gods coming and bringing this knowledge to various civilizations giving the codes of civilization and astronomy and mathematics architecture um uh, very specific bodies of knowledge and today we you know we can fly around the planet we can Look into Galileo's telescope and and stare into the heavens, and, and there's even talk of you know UFOs. Even this week, there was already an article in New York Times about the Pentagon looking into it seriously, um, and so there's constantly talk of this in our culture as well. So some people connected the dots in Darwinian paradigm and they said, okay, aliens existed today. Will aliens existed then? And they're the ones who gave this information to our ancestors for reasons well you kind of can make up your reason because there's no reason other than whatever you make up they haven't communicated that to people but coming from the biblical point of view a lot of us who were students of these ancient texts um, the truth is not just of the bible I and mean, people who were looking into ancient hindu texts they suddenly looked at like the story of the vimanas which is the modern day term for aeroplane in hindi uh, looking into many of these ancient myths uh, the ufo phenomenon and the reality of the possibility of space travel really brought these ancient texts out of the realm of mythology and the bible as well now you can take the perspective that even in the bible there's darwinian aliens or you can take the bible at its its word and allow it to tell you who these beings are that interact with ancient israel uh... that you know elijah goes up in a chariot of fire jesus ascends into something that takes him away um, there's all kinds of stories of, um, uh, of 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 the Jewish people being led you know outside of Egypt out of Egypt. There's lots of stories um, of beings coming to the earth and and interacting with humans and giving information to humans. You know even the the angel that sat on the tomb of Jesus. We you know we are, we are to understand that it's, that it's a physical being that can sit on si- on top of something, or in Sodom and Gomorrah. You know the, it says that the men of Sodom. Um, we're, we're interested in having sexual relations with these angels, and so there's really a lot of you know clues that tell us uh, that, you know, for instance, God and his angels have food with Abraham. What if these characters are actually the characters the Bible says they are, um, except we are now understanding a little more into how is it that the heavens and the earth connect together uh, because of where we are in our own where we're in our own thinking. Now, from this point of view, when we look into the ancient cultures and ask ourselves, who does the Bible say the gods of these ancient civilizations were? Who were the gods of Egypt, of Greece, of Rome, of Persia, uh, of Mesopotamia, of China, of India? Who were the gods of these nations, which were essentially our collective ancestry? You know, I I was born in Iran, You know, so it's it's our collective ancestry. Who were these guys? Well, it's surprising to, to discover that apparently the Bible sees them as what Christians call fallen angels. Um, Now, uh, the proper term inside of the scripture is actually sons of God. That's what they're called, bene ha-elohim in Hebrew. And um, the reason we call them fallen angels in Christian culture is because we see them having a rebellious will against the one who is called the God of gods in the Bible. Um, there's a character called the God of gods in the Bible, and again, you know, God can't be the the leader of mythological beings, so we tend to call these guys fallen angels. But the term fallen angel, it should be noted, doesn't actually exist anywhere in the Bible. It's a term of Christian culture. Hmm. In the Bible, they're called sons of God, Right. the Ha Elohim. And the Nephilim are their hybrid offspring. Right. Um, so the giants the, kind of, the giants, the giants of uh, yes. and they have a the Middle as well East, well, in the story, yes, the giants, the Titans of old.
3: Every town has a dark side. This is Andrew Fitzgerald from the Every Town podcast, where every single week we dive into insane and mysterious true crime stories, most of which you've never heard of. Stories like the bizarre disappearance of Tyler Davis in Columbus, Ohio, a 29-year-old father trying to find his way back to his hotel when he disappeared and was never heard from again, and Elizabeth Shove from Lugoff, South Carolina, who was abducted from her driveway by a madman and taken to his underground bunker in the woods. We give you all the details you're interested in hearing about without any fluff or fillers, because ain't nobody got time for that. And cover everything from psychopaths to poltergeists. So go check out the Everytown podcast because every town, no matter how nice it may seem, has a dark side.
2: I hadn't realized that the term "fallen angels" is is nowhere to be found in in scripture. That's a new one on me. Elise Aditan yeah. is with us. Why can't both narratives be correct? Why can't the ancient alien theory be correct. We, we have, of course, the, the Dogon culture in, in Africa who talk about star people from the Sirius uh, um, constellation coming down in their yes. Genesis story. Of course, we have the Anunnaki, a new Sumerian uh, Genesis uh, story. Yes. Uh, why, why can't both narratives be correct? Yes, we have fallen angels and uh, demons and angels, but then we also have the Darwinian extraterrestrials?
1: Yes. Yeah, aliens. That's a very good question. Um, so kind of let me break it down uh, a little bit um, so we can kind of look at it. Um, the What we're looking for essentially is a narrative, a story that ties all these clues together. And then that story kind of wins out because we go, okay, this, this is a complete explanation uh, that encompasses all the elements that we are empirically discovering from archaeology, from ancient writings, from modern uh, witnesses. Oh, look, this theory binds them all together, and therefore the weight shifts in the direction of that theory. So fa- fundamentally, there are two perspectives. One is that life is born of accident and coincidence, and there's beings you know, that, through chance, uh, uh, grew here on the planet and and struggled and somehow we're now taking the theory and we are extending it into the heavens and making the further assumption that this also occurred out there, and so at this point we see these sporadic events like oh you know there, there are some stories of the skies among the native people among uh... the ancient Mesopotamians and and modern people even talk about it so so it's just a sporadic thing. And then, you know, we can now fill in the blanks with our own thinking. Why would these aliens be coming here? We're making the assumption that evolution is true here and elsewhere. Uh, And then we are filling the blanks because, you know, they haven't really told us. Now there are people who say that they're being abducted and that they're receiving some sort of an explanation. And, you know, it's it's hard for us to completely believe them as prophets of aliens, if you will, and say, yes, you know, you're right. Uh, So there's... Kind of on one side of the scale. On the other side of the scale, um, what we're actually noticing as the veil is being removed, is that there is an incredible coherence uh, from uh, the stories that are handed down from ancient times. Um, as you said, there's, for instance, the term "sky people," so they're always coming from from the heavens, from the sky. Uh, the architecture, whether you look at the pyramids of uh, the New World built here uh, in the Americas, or the ones in Egypt, or the ones in Mesopotamia, it's that, you know, the source of the knowledge must have been the same, because the architecture the mathematics that's behind it is remarkably similar. Uh, You mentioned the story of the Anunnaki, for instance, in Mesopotamia. Well, Mesopotamia is where the uh, earliest parts of the biblical narrative unfold, It's the origins of the main branch of the human race. Um, And yes, in those places there are the tales uh, of the sons of God and the daughters of men and their children are these hybrid offsprings, which the Mesopotamians would call Anunnaki, and we tend to call them uh, Nephilim. Uh, From the Hebrew, the Greeks may call them Titans. Um, In English, I would say the general word is demigods, but you suddenly see, well, the Greeks are talking about them, the Indians are talking about them in their Vedic texts, um, the Chinese are talking about them, the Mesopotamians are talking about them, the Romans are talking about them, and if you kind of look at it from the perspective of these ancient cultures. This was sacred knowledge. This was history. This was something they all respected. And then the Bible also provides uh, the same story. And so you go, okay, this must have had a historical root. And then he, he, all of these stories don't so sporadic. They they are pointing to a single source, it seems. Whoever these guys are, uh, the way they're interacting with these ancient civilizations um, seems to be controlled by a mastermind there is a plan and and so where how do we find out what this plan is? Well, um, the creationist perspective, which the Bible gives us by the way, you know the Bible is unique in its structure um, I, you know it took me a long time to to appreciate this. Uh, because of the way that, you know, we've all kind of been affected, perhaps, by Christianity or biblical thinking. We've all kind of been in some ways maybe hurt, uh, discouraged, or we kind of look at it and it seems like, you know, why do I want to even understand anything about religion or the wars of religion? Well, outside of all of that, someone like me who came from a literature background and appreciates good stories what I noticed is that the Biblical narrative was the only one from all of these ancient texts, whether it's the Vedic text, the Zoroastrian, uh, the Mesopotamian, um, Elish, the Egyptian Book of the Dead, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, uh, the Zoroastrian Avesta, um, or even the modern Bhagavad Gita that is used among Hindus, or even the, the you know uh, the, the mighty Quran. All of these texts, um, they are different from the Bible in this sense. The Bible actually tells a story, that unfolds through history with characters uh, that ha- live in actual physical cities that can be dug up or are still known of us, like Rome or Jerusalem. Um, and, and they come from families that we know about, that we have writings about. They, they they live through events that are supported by incredible amount of extra-biblical sources. And in the middle of this narrative that is spanning history... A spiritual story is on something because it's the story of the one who was made in the image of God, and God is very much involved in the story, but so are other beings. So as you kind of follow a narrative, suddenly the narrative is able to explain to you history and who these other beings are and what was the nature of their connection to these ancient cultures and why they connected. And then, um, as though that wasn't already you know, a lot of information, there's this other dimension of the text that comes, which is the prophetic. Suddenly, the future is also explained, and now you can see if history unfolds, the millions of events that must come together for history to unfold in the way this book is claiming. by people who don't read it or believe in it. They all have to play their parts, and you realize, well, history does move forward in this direction. Now, all of these ancient tales and where we are in the story and where the story is going – all within a very comprehensive uh, narrative that is very compelling, and for me and many others, shifts the evidence uh, squarely in the in the court of creationism and says, you know, now we see that even though there may be a multitude of beings in the multitude of worlds in the vastness of the heavens, they all answer to the one God that we read about in the Bible, and us and them, we are part of a story. And um, and and this story seems to involve all of these various civilizations, even the ones that existed before the time of Adam, like the ones you pointed to, like the Dogon culture, and and the ones that are even older than Adam. You know, they also had relations with these angels because right. the Bible says that. But but so, are
2: you know, are there is there mention of fallen angels or the equivalent of Nephilim, whether we call them Titans or giants, in other religious texts like the Quran, like uh, the Hindu writings and so forth? Do we, ta- do we uh, hear well, about fallen angels?
1: That's a really good question. Um, let me put it this way. There is not a single text in which they are not mentioned. It oh, really? Wa- yes, it is one of the chief topics of human literature. Um, the, the story of the gods and of their children, it is the basis of all the religions of the world other than the Judeo-Christian one. That is what, you know, that's who the Greeks worshipped, uh, Zeus and his children. Uh, that the Vedic texts, the, the first and the oldest, the most respected of the Vedic texts of India, the foundation and fountainhead of Vedic Hinduism, is the story of Indra. Actually, I have it right now in front of me, the Reg Veda. And the story of Indra is the story of a demigod, as the book explains. And he is worshipped. Um, The Mesopotamians, of course, they had, you know, when we discovered the great library of Ashurbanipal, um, the French were digging in Nineveh, and then they took a day off, and the British dug in their section, and they discovered the library of the great king of Nineveh, who was deposed by the Babylonians in 612 BC, Ashurbanipal. There were 25,000 tablets in his library, and they were neatly divided in the various sections of knowledge—you know, medicine, architecture, mathematics, etc.—but most of the library was dedicated to the gods and their children, and the epithets, attributes, and deeds of the gods and of their offspring. That's interesting. It, but
2: here's—you just—you—you—you you, you mentioned um, medicine, and earlier you mentioned libraries and things that were springing up in Sumeria where elsewhere people were still living in mud huts and how to account for this amazing technology coming out of uh, Sumer. Why would fallen angels, uh, who presumably hate mankind, why would they give mankind medicine and agriculture ah. and libraries and knowledge? If they yeah. hate mankind so much, why wouldn't they simply have uh, yeah. erased That's us? A, from, that that er- is erased a very us. good
1: question, and that question takes us to the very heart of the story. The um, When you look at uh, the um, beginnings of... Uh, the biblical story that takes us to the Middle East and takes us to the cradle of civilization, it, it says that um, uh, you know, there was two guys, to Adam and Eve, um, and the man and the woman, and their first son, Cain, he goes ahead and builds a city. And to do that, well, he needs to understand geometry, he needs to be able to measure things, and then he needs to understand architecture and geometria and architectura are two of the most ancient bodies of science at the foundation of the human civilization so when when God tells to Adam that he has to go and subdue the world and and organize it and rule it and govern it he has to give him some bodies of knowledge to do that and we see that Adam's Cain's children you know there's one who is the fountainhead of music and we see all of these ancient musical Instruments. It says that you know all the music uh, instruments of string and of uh, wind come from this particular guy. Um, so we see these ancient artifacts of music, of harps that we dig up from the Middle East that are you know in the, in the great museums of Europe, um, especially in London and in Berlin. And and so the um, there's another one who, who Tubal Kane. He, he's he's the first of the metallurgists. So you realize that these guys, to start with themselves. Uh, we're endowed with bodies of knowledge whether it's genetically like you know it's just that you know like your kid starts to grow up and you see them and they have all kinds of knowledge innately inside of them I mean the first time I saw my little girl trying to trick me and how young she was I thought wow she knows about tricking like where I never taught of this <laughs> so you know So there's a huge amount of knowledge, you know, we start to talk to each other, and grammar is very complicated, and persuasion, you know, rhetoric, that's one of the great gifts, so we persuade each other. And so these are bodies of knowledge. Humans start out with knowledge, including farming, because it says that Adam was put in the garden to till and toil it, and then when he left, he also continued to do that, and we see from... Um, anthropology and archaeology that the from the Fertile Crescent emerges the first farming settlement. Sure,
2: some was uh, given to us uh, obviously to by us God, but but days, how do we know days. which what knowledge, which knowledge was given to us, right. imparted from the by the fa- yes. fa- fallen angels?
1: Right. So then, what we see is that at the beginning of the corruption of knowledge, um, the Book of Enoch tells us that there are seven angels. Who imparted seven bodies of knowledge to us, and often often in many of the ancient texts, including one that I was reading the other day that comes from the native tradition, and it says that seven balls of fire fell from the Pleiades, which is one of the constellations mentioned by name in the bible ah. um, and and often you know when you talk to modern day people who oh, you say no, know, we, we talked to some alien who from the Pleiades and You know, so so you know. Once we get out there, we'll understand better how these things work. Are they gateways into other systems? Are they actually systems within themselves? But there are seven bodies of knowledge um, that are given, and when you look at these bodies of knowledge, they are all corruptions and perversions. I'll give you one example: Azazel, the leader of the horde, he gives the knowledge of breastplates, of swords, um, of weaponry. So the knowledge of metallurgy is among us, but Azazel says, well, did you know that you can turn this into weapons? You can turn into swords, you can turn into breastplates. And that's interesting, because later on, when God begins to uh, bring the world out of chaos into order and explain his law and and his order uh, through Abraham, God begins to say that he will take the swords and, and, and then he will turn them back into plowshares reversing the decree, the corruption that Azazel introduces, God decrees against that.
2: But, ho- but um, wait wait a second Ali, but but Jesus uh, also called on his disciples to pick up a sword, and if you don't have one, sell your cloak and get one.
1: Yeah, so the, as these bodies of knowledge pour into the human world, when we see in the Book of Enoch that the decree is given against the Nephilim, that they are to mutually kill each other, that that spirit should be given them, and uh, the fallen angels are to be arrested, and, and jailed, um, they, uh, the, God says, allow the bodies of knowledge to remain among the humans. And so the bodies of knowledge remain among us, and then from then on they are used both by the dark side to, to continue to corrupt the world in order to bring about a empire, a, a kingdom. I mean, that's what the whole Masonic movement is about. And when you look at the books of the Masons, Nimrod was the first one. It's not about the building of just, you know, uh, buildings. Like, oh, we're going to build a big pyramid. It's about, the, it's about showing how all of these bodies of knowledge put together can give man the power to do anything he wants. And that's what the Tower of Babel is about. They were united, it says, and they could do anything they wanted. Why? Because they had these bodies of knowledge intertwined and understood deeply among themselves. So these bodies of knowledge are given to corrupt the creation of God, to corrupt the natural knowledge that we have, and then to be used to create an empire with hybrids in their midst, with a representative of the fallen angels in their midst and this is to replace the human race into the heavens it, it, the, the two gifts uh, of this knowledge ultimately are immortality that is one of the gifts that is trying to you know come through this knowledge and the other is this incredible ability to understand the deep mechanisms of the creation and be able to manipulate it at a deep level in order to create, you know, very foul things but powerful things and and to create an entire structure and order that stands strong. The purpose of this body of knowledge is because in order to f- reach the full potential, you need knowledge. And so God then, you know, explains how this knowledge should be used at the sword's not going to be used for murdering it's going to be used for defense because the murderers may come and, and 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 these things will have a season eventually the season will come when this knowledge is drained back out and replaced with something that is not corrupt and, and is edifying and wonderful and deep but is in harmony with the love and wisdom and righteousness that pours out of the throne um, uh, of the uh, uh, of the universe, of the center of the universe. So there is definitely um, a- an attempt to build a pseudo-structure to the very kingdom that God is building in the middle of the universe that involves, you know, apparently Christ uh, uh, and us. Uh, and so it, you need the knowledge to compete with that structure of that kingdom that is full of knowledge and full of wisdom and full of all kinds of understandings, to create a, a, your version of it, you need to give knowledge. So there's knowledge to corrupt the knowledge that God has given and to, to use it you know, for their sake uh, to, to bring about a, a different world. Order. And I think that's what the true work of a mason is, is to accomplish that.
2: Well, you mentioned uh, knowledge to create. Let me give uh, folks listening to the podcast some knowledge to create. If you're looking for a world-class website host, At a fair price, there's a company I want to tell you about, Pair Networks. Pair Networks hosts hundreds of thousands of websites, and why do I recommend them? It's simple, because they set the standard for excellence with a technical support staff that's second to none. Their support team responds so fast, and they always give straight answers. That's important. Plus, they have top-of-the-line technology, and that's why Pair Networks offers total reliability for your website with a money-back guarantee. So whether you're a professional web designer, a busy web marketer, or you're just getting a site online, Pair Networks has a web host hosting plan that's right for you. Log on and, lo- and learn more at pair.com. Let me spell it out for you. P-A-I-R.com. P-A-I-R.com. Pair Networks.
0: As you're staring up at the night sky, ever wonder who's staring back? No, me either. But I guess you better say it, because Richard, you know, he's all wrapped up in this stuff. <laughs> Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett.
2: Alicia Yaditan is uh, my guest, documentary filmmaker, uh, UFOs, angels, and gods. Uh, tell us about uh, your latest project, uh, Goliath Rising, Hybrids, Nephilim, and Titans. Yes.
1: You know, you were asking at the beginning of the broadcast um, how much is it that, what has changed in the past ten years, and I'm saying that uh, knowledge has increased concerning these things. Like, I was just Googling Nephilim, and there are six million results found. When in 1996, when I put it in Yahoo, there were zero search results found. So this latest project, first of all, is drawing from the latest research, and the latest researchers, and their perspectives, and, you know, bringing the new things to light. i 'll give you some examples, um, for instance, when we were looking at the alien abduction phenomenon, which is a global phenomenon, and i 'm sure that that many of your listeners or know people and their friends who are living this or they are living it themselves that 's how you know you, ubiquitous it is so there 's this um, uh, phenomenon and it's, it suddenly brings to life the story of the demigods being the the children of the fallen angels or being the children of the sons of God, as the Bible calls them. Um and, and giving, you know, birth to this great antediluvian empire that is destroyed um with Atlantis as its capital. And then they continue after the flood all the way till the time of King David, when really it was it's only at that time that most of them are done away with. As Israel is appointed by God to be his sword in the destruction of these hybrid offsprings. Suddenly all of this comes to life because of uh the modern day a phenomenon of humans, people, our friends, our our doctors, our lawyers, our judges, our professors, coming forward and saying, "This is happening to me in my private life. I'm being taken to a ship, and genetic material is removed from me, and an a, a an alien offspring." I, you know, I just posted an article that was on a mainstream newspaper on my Facebook page, UFOs, Angels, and Gods, uh, that talk. It's an interview with this guy in uh, New York or New Jersey. Who has a job and who's saying that you know he he wants to come out of the closet? He's seventy-four years old, and he wants to say that since he's eight, been eighteen, he's been having a relationship with this hybrid. Yes, I saw that, and you saw that, right? And so this is kind of brought to life this ancient quote-unquote myth. and and so the question became: Well, what's going on here? Well, the Bible talks about an enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And, and because of the times we live in, and, and because of the multitude of prophecies coming true that concern the second coming of Christ, suddenly the idea came, oh, this is head, the purpose of this is to create the seed of the serpent, which is going to be this world leader who, who rises and, and, and stands in the temple in Jerusalem, which means a temple must be built, calls himself God, and, and calls upon these incredible forces of, of, that will appear like UFOs, Above him and uh, and behind him and and really charm the world, and rally the world against the second coming of Christ, of course, and so we ran out and said, you know, we really got to share this with the world. I think we we're onto something here, not knowing that many other researchers, independently, were coming to the same conclusion in other parts of of the world. But now, uh, you know, I should say, and now this was this was true, but and now we, we when we look at the phenomenon throughout the ages and the modern world, we have a larger perspective, for instance this is this is a new information. One thing we're seeing is that first of all, this was not just crisis uh, it wasn't as though the enemy uh, was introducing these um, titans, these hybrids, these Nephilimes at specific times in history to stop the plans of God. Um, it was about, always from the beginning, about creating a new race that would replace the human race.
2: So that's what's behind the the alien abduction phenomenon, is well, this, a, founded, this a hybrid program uh, in, in the service, uh, or to create Satan's army. Is that right?
1: Well, to create a new race that would be not only his army, but also his people, grafted into ours, because we are the ones who are made in the image of God. And, and he's grafting in the many different houses of the sons of God, and they love their symbols. Be it the sun, the star, the crescent, the moon, their symbols, the 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 the, the fork like the one that Neptune has, or Poseidon, um, uh, the, the trishula. Even the Hindu gods have it. They have very specific symbols that they love. These houses uh, of these seraphims, and with with the mighty one on top, you know, the, the Zeus of them all, if you will. Um, they, they want to graft themselves into their, the various houses in, in into the into the race that was made in the image of God and I mean I mean you look at the Bible and you think of all the many, many, many tribes of hybrids that are mentioned of Nephilim and how they marry into human tribes and all of these human tribes who are ruled by them Come one by one under judgment, but which is the tribe that receives the most extreme judgment of all that it that is that is spoken that their name must be blotted out of heaven completely, that every one of them must be destroyed. It is the great Amalekite nation that dares to marry into abraham's family directly into the covenant family, and so the hybrids mixed with Abraham, and that tribe receives the largest judgment of all. So there's this attempt to to connect into the bloodlines, to form new royal families, and to form a new race. And this has been going on, and it has been stopped by God many times after the flood, the flood itself. And then after the flood, there is basically, it seems, that Abraham's family, both of his lines, of children, both Esau and Jacob, they are both assigned a task to finish these guys off, and they do.
2: All right, let me stop you there, Ali, because uh, pre-flood, and and this was the justification, I suppose, for the flood, was to cleanse the gene pool because only Noah and his family were pure and the rest rest of the inhabitants of the planet were essentially hybrids. Uh, So after the flood, when fallen angels, uh, or, that, or rather the Nephilim, are marrying into these bloodlines, as you say, are they still yeah. producing an offspring of giants, and if so, where are they?
1: Yeah, so as I said, they were killed off by Israel and by Esau, um, and you know, by, by also lost children. And the Bible is very clear in painstakingly documenting all of this for us in the book of Deuteronomy and Numbers, And so the last of them are destroyed at uh, at the time of King David, which is only a thousand years ago, where David fights Goliath, who's the leader of Gath. No, not not a
2: thousand years ago. You said a thousand.
1: Yes, David lived a thousand years ago.
2: A thousand years ago was no. Sorry, uh, uh, uh,
1: David uh, David lived one thousand BC. Right, three thousand years ago. Yes. Yeah. So. So uh, I was thinking 1,000 B.C. Yeah, so so they, at the time of King David, the, they, they are being now completely finished off. But from, from the time of the flood, which which I believe is 4,000 B.C., so that's 6,000 years ago, uh, from the time of the flood to 1,000 B.C., those 3,000 years, we see a huge amount of Nephilim presence in the middle east documented in the book of genesis, deuteronomy and numbers but also documented in many 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 other writings. In fact, we have writings that say that these guys would be hired as mercenaries to shift the balance of power in the favor of a particular clan in the middle east. Well, by time of king David 3000 years ago, we see five giants who are ruling five uh, villages or or kingdoms or cities from, you know, in their time it would have been perceived that way in, among the Philistines uh, of which Gath, uh, the one the, the giant who rules Gath his name is Goliath and he's nine feet tall and he's the one that's, that, you know, David kills and then David continues to kill many of these uh, tribes of giants. Uh, there's, I don't know um, how many, it was 500 or 1,000 foreskins uh, of these hybrids, uh, these are giants and humans intermarried together that he is killing and offers these foreskins to Saul. I know it sounds very barbaric.
2: Well, but, uh, but given given the amount of intermingling and so forth, yeah. uh, and I know that they 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 killed them off, but wouldn't there be yeah. wouldn't there be vestiges of yeah. of that? hybrid blood, perhaps in most yeah. of us? I mean, okay, aren't we, so, aren't we so, all so, then...
1: Okay, so this, these are very good questions. I really need to address them properly because they're very important questions. So first of all, um, the I think that partly the modern-day UFO phenomenon of abduction creating hybrids is, is to reinvigorate this pool because it has been so drained. That's why it's happening all around the world on such a massive level. It's massive. It's because there is a lack of... Of hybrids in the in the human world right now, and it's being whew, like a flood being reintroduced into the human world because we've done such a good job actually, or Israel and 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 and, and Esau and, and Lot and this is a great job for killing them off. Now, as far as how did it seep through past that killing off? Did, did some survive, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Et cetera? Um, um, just uh, there, there are two answers to that. One answer would be. And that's one of the things I'm looking into. Uh, There's a whole new breed of researchers there are documenting how um, the ruling bloodlines of the human world, that once they are narrowed down to a few, they then quickly kind of disappear into these bloodlines uh, and form these secret societies. Uh, even the Grail, the blood—you know, the you whole. Know, you remember that book, Holy Grail, Holy Blood. Yes. This was like the well. Even that was apparently a code word for the noble blood of the Nephilim, that forms the ruling classes and kingdoms. And they have symbols, and they—they they, they have sort of secret societies, secret societies that, you know, promote this occult knowledge, which is essentially this ancient knowledge that goes back to the seven angels before the flood. To, to continue to reestablish, you know, through their revolutions, through their universities, through their systems, gradually a world that is more comfortable. And so they, they, they have always remained in the ru- rulership. Um, even the, the, the Bible that talks about these empires, in, uh, um, you know, they, all of these empires may have had rulers that are partly of that blood. So that's one theory that I'm looking into actually right now that, that would be part of this new documentary. And as far as the larger question of how much of it seeped into the human world, where that's a very interesting question, because there's a parable of Jesus that may address that head-on. He said that it's called the parable of the wheat and the tares. Not the wheat and the chaff, that's a different parable. This is the wheat and the tares. What are tares? Tares um, are things that look exactly like wheat, They run along wheat, and you can't tell the difference between tares and wheat until the time of harvest, when they blossom and flower. By their flowering, you could know that they're different Mm. from the wheat. So Jesus says that one day, you know, the gardener came and planted his seed in the garden, and while he's sleeping, another one came and planted his seed in the garden. And when uh, they blossomed, it was clear that some are wheat, some are tares, and the servant said to the gardener, should we go and... Tear out the tares, and he said to them, "No. If you do, the servants, you told the servants, if you do, you will tear out the wheat as well. Wait until the time of the harvest comes at the end. We, then you will tear out, take out the tares and burn them, in, and then put the wheat in my barns." And when they came in private, the the, the disciples said to him, "What did you mean by this parable? What, what, what was the meaning of it?" He said to them. As shocking as it may sound, because we have read this many times, I never took it so literally. He says to them that the first guy who planted his seed in the garden is God, but then the enemy, the devil, came and planted his seed in the garden too.
0: Uh-huh. And, so,
1: and suddenly you're like, what? Like, like, like. You have to understand. The word in Greek would have been sperma. Okay. Uh-huh. So so at this point, um, he, that there's two things growing side by side, but they are completely all over each other and intermingled to the point that if you kill one, you may kill the other. And then he explains that the servants are the angels, and that the time of the blossoming is the end of the age, which we call the second coming in, in, in modern Christian lingo. And at this time, you know, God will then re- separate. Finally, the blossoming happens. It's very clear you know, in the final in the terminal generation who is of which kind of line and the ones the tears are destroyed and the wheats are put in God. So this would suggest that the contamination is very large and and perhaps even the fact that we live sometimes lives in our minds and characters and hearts, where we don't live up to to the decrees of our own conscience, to the decrees of what we know is true and right and beautiful and, and godly, perhaps it's actually because of this contamination. And and some have now gone to say that um, that that you know that, that Christ's work on this earth had three purposes, and one of it was to give us a new body. Because of this contamination, we need a new body. So is it possible, Ali,
2: Ali, is it possible that you could have some uh, Nephilim blood, I could have some Nephilim blood, and does that mean that we are damned?
1: No. Um, I think it's it's a combination of of what makes us up completely as a whole, who we are as a whole, uh, and where our heart is, that, that kind of really points to what's inside of us. We aspire to. Um, we are, at this point in history, there's a lot of mix that's gone into the soup that's making us. Uh, and so I don't think that that is, you know, I think God, that's what, why God is giving us a new body, and that's why there's a the doctrine of grace, uh, because we are, you know, unable just to live the way that we are asked because of who we are.
2: Got it. Another quick question. We're almost out of time. Why aren't these hybrids? Giants. Why Why? Why is the commingling of the fallen angels and humans no longer producing a race of giants?
1: In the modern world, um, they, our population is too large, and, and we're a lot more enlightened. And they are taking a more subterfuge. They're making it very sexy. First of all, they're entering like ninja and infiltrating the culture, and that's what the new documentary is going to talk about, the massive infiltrations. The first documentary was about the creation of modern-day hybrids. This one is about explaining how infiltrated they are into culture. There's even a group of them that live around, you know, uh, in Oshawa, apparently. Uh, even the last time I said that on a show, my computer went dead, and so I don't know. A, but race, they, of,
2: it, a race of hybrids that live yeah. in Oshawa, okay.
1: Yeah. They, they basically, they they're among us in the culture, and they want to keep it very, very secret. There's a huge command that's gone out from high above: keep the secret hashash hash, until the time is ready, until the signal is given. So there's this other part of the story, which is they're trying to make the whole UFO phenomenon and and reinvent themselves in a very sexy enlightened manner, like our older enlightened brothers have arrived to help us into the age of Aquarius, you know, like the day the earth stood still type of thing, the movie. So they're trying to rebrand themselves. And part of this rebranding is this stealth infiltration in the culture where they look like us. The ancient world where people worship the gods and their gigantic children, we don't, doesn't resonate with us. And if we saw any of that happening around us, we'd all just call 911 and get together (laughs) in like just, Kill
3: them. Exactly. Right?
1: And, and, and we are strong. we're strong. We, we always win. The story of the Bible is clear. We win over the Titans over and over and over again, and this time, too, we will win over them because victory comes from above and has been given to us, to the line well, of Seth.
2: Last question. Your, your position, and I, I happen to share this position, that uh, extraterrestrials are, in fact, fallen angels. That puts us in uh, diametrically uh, opposed to much of the UFO community, as you know. That yes. they even see the alien abduction phenomena in a positive light. Uh, right. That they are here to enlighten us, and there's yes, they're studying us, and that people like you and and me, uh, I don't know, we're we're members of Majestic Twelve. We're trying to uh, we're trying to deceive. Uh, people in thinking that uh, that aliens are you know are are uh, are here to do evil. Uh, right. How how do you how do we bridge that? Uh, okay. I mean, the two camps are aliens, not on the same page.
1: I get it. These aliens are part of a larger community of aliens. They're not all bad because the God's aliens, if you will, if you have to use that language, God's angels are also on their way. And it says in the Bible that God will arrive with his chariots. It says that right in Isaiah sixty six and to bring judgment to the earth. So God and his chariots are on the way as well, and so there's a the larger group of aliens that are good. Of course, God is you know above all of these things, but he's partaking inside of his creation, so he's with them, living it out. There, So there's a larger community. Uh, that, If you want to look into the stars and look into the heavens and look for something that's good, that is also there. You don't have to always just shun a... The, the larger story. There is good. The reason these guys are not the good ones is because of what they're doing to people the abductions, the creation of hybrids, the self. Everything points to something that's nefarious. Because they have a history with us that's recorded in all of our literature and including the Bible that tells us who they are that the earth was left for dead that the nations were cast out from the presence of god and given to the control of those angels who are also cast out from the presence of god they and us were on the same side of the fence and they got to rule the nations until god began to redeem us through Abraham, in whose seed all the families of the earth would be blessed.
2: Got it. So so, so some close yeah. encounters, Ali, some close encounters could actually be with not fallen angels, but let's say the archangels. Those could be yeah. actual alien, uh, UFO encounters.
1: Yeah. It says test every spirit that you see it, but the Bible is clear. It says, you know, entertain, be hospitable, because some have entertained angels unawares. People see angels all the time in the Bible, and people even today will tell you they have these encounters. I've had one that I can't explain.
3: We'll
2: talk about that on the next, uh, we'll have to talk about that next time. Ali, we're out of time. Leave us with a website for, uh, where people can learn more.
1: ThinkAgainProductions.com. Watch the documentary, email me, and sign up for the newsletter and the YouTube page. ThinkAgainProductions.com.
2: And the first documentary is UFOs, Angels, and Gods. The new project is Goliath Rising, Hybrids, Nephilim, and Titans.
1: And I'm also working on a book uh, that uh, I hope will be out uh, by the middle of next year. Um, And it's going really well, and I'm very excited about that. Um, And I'm working on a series um, called UFOs, Angels, and Gods Decoded, where this will be on YouTube, and if you sign up for the YouTube channel, you can listen to this, where I'll be explaining in detail all the points that we rose in a hurried way.
2: Ali ThinkAgainProductions 10, ThinkAgainProductions.com. Thank you so much, my friend.
1: You're welcome. Thank you, Richard, for having me.
2: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I want to tell you about what's coming up next on Conspiracy Unlimited. But first, I have to ask, have you heard about this free guide you can download? It contains a list of online power tools that can make you more efficient, secure, even boost your income. And best of all, this online toolbox guide is absolutely free. How do you get it? It's simple. Just visit FreeBusinessToolbox.com and grab your copy while they last. This guide has some of the very same online tools that successful business owners use every day, and each one is highly recommended. I know there are a lot of websites out there. They offer a special giveaway like this, and then they want to stick you into a recurring program or some other thing. This isn't like that. No way. There's no hidden thing to try. No credit card needed. No cost whatsoever. Bright Biz is literally giving away this online toolbox guide completely free as a means of putting their best foot forward but this is a limited time offer so grab your free guide today and take your business and your income to the next level visit freebusinesstoolbox.com and get your free guide to 36 online power tools that address again freebusinesstoolbox.com Coming up on episode 12 of Conspiracy Unlimited, Kevin Barry is the author of Vaccine Whistleblower, Exposing Autism Research Fraud at the CDC, a first-hand account from a CDC insider on the link between vaccines and autism. Until next time, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now.